let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Eight, seven, six, <coughs> five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, and today we have the honor of speaking with Jason Gagnon. How are you today, Jason? Hey, Ben. I'm wonderful. Great privilege to be here with you today. Well, thank you so much for uh, for for being here with me, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your uh, out of your busy day and uh, you know hopping on the show, especially while you're traveling. So, thank you very much. My pleasure. All righty, so let's jump right in. Uh, I want to know what is your story. Hmm. Yeah, I've watched a couple of your episodes, and I, I know you're going to ask that question. Uh, so, just going to pause and catch myself first. And the reason being is because to answer the question that's so powerful, I think you need to be in the right state because your story is your superpower. And for me, uh, it started a long, long time ago. I mean, you know, for, for most people, um, I was basically uh, bored between two can of beans. What does that mean? My father owned grocery stores. So uh, uh, at two weeks, I was in the business I was already, he was already bringing me there. I grew up in the entrepreneurial mindset. You know, at the table, what we saw was human resources, operations, like the whole thing was my, basically my childhood, right? And uh, it was, it was an amazing childhood for that, that part of it. But it was also very difficult, difficult times. I mean, when you have a family that are entrepreneurial mindset, really hard at work, they're not as present. And there were some things going on at home that made made it a little bit more difficult. Some, some abuse, mental abuse, uh, really, really difficult times. So I had kind of a really performance-based mindset and I had those really difficult, darker days with living in beliefs, limiting situations. Uh, fast forward, you know, about 18 years, you find me obese, weighing 300 pounds, no self-esteem, not knowing what to do in the world. And uh, basically coming to one decision and it's always about, you know, we always have a decision in life. You have a yes or a no decision. I looked at myself in the mirror at night weighing 300 pounds and I asked myself, what am I doing here? Why am I still here? I don't know who I am. I don't like who I am and I really have no reason for living. So looking in that mirror, I made a, I made a choice. I said, you either stay here, 
you decide to stay here and you take your life in your own hands or you leave. And through a lot of soul searching, I decided to stay. So what did I do? The next morning I woke up, put on my running shoes and I ran, ate chicken and carrots for three months, lost a hundred pounds and saw that in an instant I could change my life. And from that day on, what happened was left the grocery store, uh, got a degree in personal training, became a personal trainer and started transforming other people's lives. Because I saw that, you know what, it's, it's not necessarily a diet. It's not necessarily a workout program. What it is, it's a mindset. And what I used to do as a personal trainer was I would give people the knowledge to be able to help themselves and never be able, never have to have someone else around them to help them give people the power to change their life in a moment, just like I did, right? The thing is, is that after helping so many people, uh, life caught up to me as well, because everything that was bottled down when I was a child was still there. So I went on this destructive path, even though I was helping a whole bunch of people, uh, the depression kind of got the better of me. You know, a lot of people say that you fight the battle of depression, and there's one of the two that'll win. Well, one one came out in a winner and it wasn't me. So <clears throat> basically self-destructed on a long, long path. So went from up here, really successful, uh, you know, everything that people could want to actually letting life slide and going into pretty much the bottom of the barrel, which is homeless, uh, living in a cardboard box um, with nothing, no one around. Right. Uh, so, Again, just catching myself to be present in this story uh, because it is a story, but it is our superpower. When I was in that cardboard box, it was the first time that I was alone with myself, truly, physically, me and mentally and emotionally. And I was able to understand what one of my biggest problems was. And it was the victim mindset. It's because of that other person. It's because of that other situation. It's because of what I lived. It's because of what I let happen to me that I am here. No, it was all because of me, because of the choices that I made and what I decided to tolerate. So again, in that one instant, when I understand that and I got the clarity, I decided to take my life in my hands and then got back up on my feet started a, passive, a path of personal development. It's been 20 years now that I've been on this path. Uh, you know, psychology, um, everything that you could basically want in personal development, I've gone through, experienced, and done. Then that brought me, a uh, long-winded answer to your question, brought me back into the, uh, the managerial world because it is basically, you know, it was my roots, right? So part of big companies leading thousands of people, uh, giving conferences, workshops, uh, culture training. And then there's, there's this instance where I kind of found out that I wasn't in the right chair. I had a position, I had a title, and I had a lot of what most people would want, but I felt empty inside. Which is, is often what happens when you chase someone else's dreams. And that's what I was doing. I was getting to a point where you need to have success. You need to have power. You need to have, you know, certain material possessions uh, to be able to have worth in this world for a lot of people. 
know, as we are conditioned by, unfortunately, sometimes our parents, educators, society, that uh, we're critiqued very, very young. We're told that the world is dangerous. We're told that, you know, don't follow your dreams. That doesn't matter. You need to get a real job and be successful and you need to do this and that. Well, I, I followed that and I embodied that until I got to a position where I was not in the right chair, not at all. So when I came to that realization, I looked deep within myself and I, I, I asked myself the question, who am I? And that answer was really, really simple. It was, I am here to help people change their world. And I do that by doing it one conversation at a time. I left the corporate world, got into coaching because after seeing how I could lose myself and I could get in, engrossed into this professional world that most people are not in the right chairs, well, I've made it my life's mission now to make sure that everybody is at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, something they love and that they are truly passionate about and absolutely making sure that it is not someone else's dream, but it is theirs. So that is my story. Let's talk about when you were younger yeah, and you're experiencing almost this duality of strong entrepreneurship principle and kind of a, a lack of it seems like emotional support is kind of um, or maybe emotional spiritual like what was that other side exactly what was that thing because I mean there's a cost to everything and you know I, I'm interested to learn more about like what was the price of this really strong entrepreneurial uh, upbringing specifically well, it was alienation and solitude, basically. It was uh, make sure that you work harder than anyone else, make sure that you achieve more than anyone else, and work, become, work comes before anything else. So alienation and solitude, absolutely, because it was work, 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 performance, 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 achievement, 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 and uh, human relation was not even second, third or fourth. So no community, um, no close friends, no deep relationships. Uh, if you had the opportunity to go and do something that seemed fun, well, that was if you had done everything else that you could have done. So, you know, would never uh, accept the invitation to go boating for a weekend, would never accept the invitation to go and, and have a good time at night. It was work, work, work until there was this like three month period, let's say, where it was all work and then one evening of self implosion <laughs> to kind of liberate all the, you know, the energy. And you kind of, I tried to pack everything that I hadn't had in, in three months into one evening and then would start over again. And that's not a way to live. So that duality that you were talking about is absolutely true. The entrepreneurial performance based achievement success was so, so strong that it basically eliminated the possibility of human connection and balance and being able to figure out who you are and what you want and what you love, right? So that was really the, the cost of, uh, of striving for something that I thought was what life was about and that uh, basically my upbringing taught me life was about. 
how exactly did that lead you to the point of being 300 pounds then? Because it seems like if you're so focused on performance and, and optimizing and success and achievement, like it's, be, it's harder to do that if you let other areas of your life, you know, you, you don't tend to that, uh, that other, that other side of your life. I mean, you don't have as much energy, probably not sleeping as well. You're probably not able to perform. So how did that fit into the, into the dynamic? What was like the root cause of that? Yeah, it actually, the, uh, the obesity came first, then it was made a decision to lose it. And then the performance came. The obesity was actually because of the childhood. So the childhood that, uh, that was really emotionally taxing uh, was, was filled with uh, a lack and, um, you know, not because someone wanted to, but it's just how it happened. And that's how I lived it. Right. Uh, so, you know, alienation in school being, when you're obese, unfortunately people pick on you, whether it be bullies, uh, you don't get that human connection. I'm a man. I like women don't have that connection. Don't have, they don't have interest in you. So you're basically alone, secluded. And uh, what happened for me was no self-worth feeling absolutely powerless all the time. So what happens, and especially I found this out with the, the clients that I had as personal trainer is usually when you're overweight or obese, it's because you're hiding from something. And for me, it was, I was hiding from the world because everything in my world seemed like it was dangerous to me. I would go into a room, a new situation, see new people, and I would automatically scan everything and everyone to see is something out of place, is something dangerous. Is this person going to be acting the same way in 10 minutes that they were now? Are they going to be acting the same way in 20 minutes that they are now? Or is that just a mask? Is that just something, a projection of who they want us to see until they can actually be who they are, which is unfortunately not always the same person. So that made it that I didn't want to be seen. If you don't see me, if you don't look at me, if I do not exist, you cannot hurt me. You cannot pick on me. You cannot do something that will affect me for the rest of my life. So obese, in the corner, super quiet. That's, that was my way of hiding from the world, right? And, and what I found when I was working with, uh, with clients was the same thing. A lot, of, a lot of women who unfortunately are obese, they went through... Uh, aggression or abuse or or a lot of detrimental things in their childhood that made it so I don't want any man to ever see me again. And then that becomes a part of your story. That becomes a part of your world and it becomes a part of who you are. And you actually get a, a break of life in a lot of cases. You don't have to, you know, I don't have to go and do PE because I can't. I actually have a doctor's note that says I can't do it. So I won't have to go uh, you know, in the, in the locker room and change clothes and all that stuff. Right. That was really the part of the obesity. It was, it was a defense mechanism. When we have an addiction to something, we have um, a real issue of something and we're going overboard, like with food or with drugs or with sex or with alcohol we are usually hiding from something and it's a protection. It's a defense mechanism to say, this is 
do not look at me, do not uh, hurt me, or I am lacking something so much that I am going to fill it up with the only thing that emotionally gives me something that feels good. That's yeah. powerful. Cause, yeah. cause it also seems like, it, it, and I think it definitely does tie into a lack of self-worth in, in, you know, it's almost using the, you know, something like obesity to be able to, to say, oh, well, and I'm, again, I'm not sure, but it would seem like, oh, somebody's making fun of me because I'm obese, then that they're making fun of that. And that way they almost they, like, it almost protects me because they can't then make fun of who I am truly at my core. Exactly. So it's almost like, it's almost like trying to run away from being yourself. 100%. For me, it was anyways, I can't speak for other people. But uh, for me, it was definitely a I didn't know who I was. Uh, but I think finding out would have been more painful at that point, than putting on layers of protection. And for me, the layers of protection was the food. So was the weight was, you know, everything that came outside of that. Why would that have been more painful to really find out? Yeah, just because of the environment I was in and the state I was in, you know, with what I had gone through and the limiting beliefs and the mindset that I had, uh, that was a door that I was not willing to open, you know, and um, that door started to open when I decided to make a change, right? When I was standing in front of that mirror and I said, listen, Jason, you have two choices. You only ever have two choices. You decide to stay, you decide to go right? If you decide to stay, you take everything that you have and you push until you get to a place where you're actually proud of being in your body and being who you are, or, you know, you can just take your life right now and be over with it. Right. And it was a, it was probably one of the most powerful moments of my life. And I decided to make that change. And there's literally something in me that switched in that instant open that door. It's kind of like opening the door to find out who I am, but it started with a decision to, to shed who I was, right? You have to let go of who you think you are to be able to find out who you truly are. And that started me down that path of, okay, who am I? What do I like? How am I gonna, how am I gonna go and get to this point where I am proud of myself and, and I never let go. So I got, I got down to a weight where I was, I was happy. I, I studied it. I, I mean, I am the type of person I go zero or 3000 on something, right? So every second, every breath was in nutrition, training, understanding the human body, understanding the psyche to getting me to where, a, a point where I was, I was really happy, right? And then the performance part started to come on, of course. Because as I started to gain traction, as I started to enjoy who I was, enjoy life, enjoy the people that started to come into my life and the success that I started to have, well, then that became this new addiction. In instead of, you know, a food, it was, wait a minute, 
I'm starting to enjoy life. I'm starting to get recognition for things that I had never gotten before. So the more that I perform, the more I succeed, the more recognition I get, the more people come into my life for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons. But that became an underlying addiction uh, that, you know, it, it, it's this little that weaseled itself into, into my psyche and into my world until, you know, I found out that uh, it had taken control of me again. Do you think that there was there was kind of there were kind of, kind of a few things at play there where that feeling of that underlying feeling of unworthiness was manifesting itself in that that new addiction where instead of now being ridiculed for being obese at that point you figured out oh, if I perform, I can actually get recognition. And that is more rewarding. But then there may have been this uh, cognitive dissonance almost or, or incongruence where there was still this feeling of unworthiness, but you were, but you were achieving. But it's like, oh, well, that, those two pieces of the puzzle don't really fit together. Absolutely. Unworthiness was the underlying story of my entire life. Until, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and it goes with the, the growth and the fixed mindset. I mean, I had a fixed mindset my entire life because of that feeling of unworthiness, which installed itself in my life very, very early, right? Uh, you know, until you get to basically who you are is installed in your, your, your program by the age of 9 to 13. So, and you never revisit that. You know, unfortunately, for most people, we never go back and we see, wait a minute, I was in this situation, I lived it this way, it was the experience I had, it caused this emotion to trigger inside of me, and then I latched on to that forever. So anytime the situation presents itself again, I'm just going to fire that emotion, and it's going to cause fear, it's going to cause doubt, it's going to cause shame, and I will veer off a different path or protect myself. Right? We, we unfortunately don't go back and revisit it. Uh, so having that fixed mindset was, well, I'm not enough. Uh, I can't achieve. I am unworthy. Uh, you know, nobody likes me and, and all this stuff, no matter the level of success that I would get. It was never enough. You get 99 on a, on a test, you didn't get 100. You got 100, you could have gotten, you know, a, an A++. You didn't do enough. You succeed, the other person succeeded more, you're worthless, right? It was always this thing. So no matter the level of success that I would get, and I would continue to push and push and push even higher, there was always that underlying feeling of you could have done more, you could have been more, you were unworthy. Until you switch and you change into a growth mindset, for me was, again, one of the most powerful things because now I'm not limited by who I was. I'm free to create who I am. So everything is a learning process. Everything is an opportunity to know more, be more and do more, but not to achieve and not to succeed, to find out more and more who I am, to be able to be fully present in myself and not let 
the world basically uh, determine who I am, right? You know, oftentimes when I'm working with people, they come to me with a goal and they say, this is the goal that I want to achieve. Okay, that's perfect. And most people would go straight into working on that goal. I'm not interested in that. I, that's what you say, perfect. That is probably a goal that you saw someone else have, someone else achieve, that you got from somewhere else, or that looks sexy, uh, looks like it's going to bring you, you know, happiness and, and joy, but that's not really what you want. That's not what that little boy or little girl inside of you wanted when you were young, and it's not that fire that's burning there. So strip away everything that was brought onto you and let's find out what was inside of you, right? So same thing for me. It was stripping away all those wanted goals because yeah, it looks amazing when you have this much money. It looks amazing when you get to this, this status. Uh, it looks amazing when you know people are so happy on vacation, on Instagram and all this stuff, but unfortunately that's not what really makes us happy, right? If if I want to be a millionaire because that's really what comes in, in through me, well, I'm going to be happy when I get it. If it's your goal and I strive for it, it's probably going to poison me every day until I get there. And once I get there, I'm going to feel even more empty than I was before. And now I'm not going to know what happened. I'm not going to go know where to go, right? That's powerful. I want to talk a little bit about that, the, the act or maybe the process of stripping away what we are not. Hmm. I'm not sure if it looks the same for everybody. I would assume probably does not. Oh, it probably does not in some ways, and it, there probably are some principles that do apply in every way. So how did you literally go through that process of stripping away those pieces of yourself that weren't you? Because there's like identifying what is and is not you. And then there's actually like, you know, like literally like stripping it away. And, and I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but um, I'm fascinated to learn more about that. Yeah, well, I wouldn't suggest that people go about it the same way I did. You don't need to be obese and, and, and then you don't need to be homeless. <laughs> That's not the, the process that I would, uh, I would suggest people go through. Uh, but for me, that was really the, 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 the beginning to uh, stripping away those layers, right? Um, but the way that for me, I can do it even today and the way that I suggest people do it and that, uh, you know, my clients, we work with them is you need to get really, really present and you need to be alone with yourself. And that doesn't mean, you know, go in the woods for 18 months or go on the top of the mountain and become a monk. That's not what I'm saying, but it's, you need to have moments in your day and in your life often where you're alone with yourself and you were alone with yourself here and you were able to ask yourself those really, really profound questions that usually we don't ask because those questions scare us, right? You know, what if I find out who I am? 
What if I am not in love with the person I am right with right now? What if I've been, you know, I went to school, I got the degree, I got the job and I did all this work for the last 10 years and I don't enjoy at all. And I feel completely empty. Those are really, really tough questions if we're honest, right? But there's always this little voice inside of us, but the little voice, it doesn't shout. You can barely, barely hear it. And if you don't get present and you don't strip away either toxic events, people, places, or things, and you're constantly bombarding yourself with TV, news, uh, and outside factors, you won't ever be able to hear that voice. You probably won't be able to ask yourself that question. You definitely won't be able to hear the answer. And if you do, you will not know where to go. And the thing is, is that when you start to change, people notice. And that is the hardest part. Because people around you are so used to seeing you for who you are, act the way that you usually do, do the things that you usually do, talk the way that you usually do, and stay in the same place that you have always been. That's familiar. That's what they enjoy, right? And when you start to change, they see you change and it becomes uncomfortable for them. Well, what if he doesn't love me anymore? Well, what if he doesn't want to do this job anymore? Well, what if he becomes uh, famous or you know wealthy and we can't do the same things anymore or he forgets about me? So then the people, unfortunately, and oftentimes it's the closest people in our lives that will do this, will start to talk to us in a way that will stop our progress. So... Uh, process for me was the one that I don't suggest those really, really life challenging events, but it was also surrounding myself with the right people that would challenge me. It was surrounding myself with people uh, that would look at me in a way that I wasn't able to look at myself and was able to tell me, listen, this is what I hear, but this is reality. What are you going to do with that, right? We need those type of people in our lives. So to answer your question, super simple, uh, giving us space to be able to ask those tough questions and hear that little voice inside of us that doesn't scream or shout, it just whispers. Being open to and willing to change and having the support system of people who are not there to please us not there to say what we want to hear, but say what we need to hear, right? That's profound. Mm. Especially, especially because those people who are around us that may be very near and dear to our hearts, we may love them so much that we're literally blinded by them. Mm. And so we don't understand or we may not be thinking about it. We may not be choosing to think about what the repercussions are of their, their words and what they say to us and how that impacts our identity. Because, I mean, think, think about it. I mean, if we think about it, if we have in our minds, I am a fit, 
healthy athlete, then we're going to do, and we know that, we believe that about ourselves, then we're going to act in a way that is congruent with being a fit, healthy athlete. So we're not going to go after the cake and the donuts because that's not what our perception of a fit, healthy athlete would do. But if we have other people who are shaping and warping our view of ourselves, which I believe everybody does, even if they're not aware of it, and that gets shaped and warped into things that are competing, so you're confused, or very negative to where it's actually bringing you back, then you're seeing yourself as that. So you're going to act in ways that are congruent with how you see yourself. And I think you're absolutely right about you have to be or surround yourself with people who challenge you and who help you go into greater and greater uh, places and, and to challenge your, your identity and to challenge your view of self in good ways to help you move forward. I love that. Thank you so much for, for bringing that up. So glad the conversation has gone here. My pleasure. You know, the only, as I, I said to you before we got on, the only reason for me to have a conversation is to change the world because I believe that we can change the world one conversation at a time. And the only conversations that I have are deep, profound and transformational conversations. And I just want to touch on what you said. Uh, You're absolutely right. Is that if we think we are super fit, we will act in a certain way. But there's a limit to that. And the limit is that would be the personality speaking. But when the identity speaks, it's something that you feel internally. It's not something you think. Right. Because I can think all day long, I am a super fit athlete, but I will see the donut and I will say that is emotional pleasure. And that comes from my identity because it's a feeling. So we have to, we have to make the difference between identity, identity and personality. Personality is something that the world will shape for you. So if you don't teach people how to treat you, they will form your personality for you. If I don't tell you who I am, you will figure it out on your own and you will tell me who you think I am and that will become part of who I am because I believe what you say more than I say if that's how I'm going about the world. Whereas if I know it and I have shaped my identity, no thing that you can say will change anything about who I am, which is completely different. I remember... Uh, and this is actually part of the last question that you asked. Uh, I, I studied with a, with a Buddhist master for five years. And, you know, this was in a really, really hard part of my life. Uh, and he, he asked me a question. He said, Jason, if someone walks through the door right now and starts calling you all the worst names in the world, how would you react? And he named the names that would have really triggered me. And I was completely, you know, out of my body. It, all like crumbling, you know, I would have been basically reduced to nothing, right? And I looked at him and I said, well, what would you do? And he paused and looked at me really deeply and he said, I would thank him for his opinion and I would ask him to leave, to go on his way because there's absolutely nothing that he can say that changes who I am. Who I am is decided by me and me only and will not change depending on who is in front of me. And that started to shape 
it, it basically shattered my world, my, my thinking, my understanding of how we go and live in this world uh, to a place where, wait a minute, I don't need to try to understand who I am. I need to create who I am and nothing on the external world is going to shape that, right? So instead of going from, oh, Ben is looking at me in a way that he acknowledges this, the power of this, oh my God, I'm doing a good job. Well, then I feel good to, oh, wait a minute, Sally is looking at me like she's not really getting what I'm saying. So I must not be doing that good of a job. So I'm, I'm losing power and I'm losing self-worth, right? So when we go from we're shaping our personality and we're living in a personality-based world, everyone and everything in your environment is going to change who you are. So we need to go into identity-based reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And that was one super wise Buddhist monk. And I'm, I'm fascinated and, and I'm very curious when, when you were living in the cardboard box and you made again, that decision seems like the, the looking in the mirror and being in the cardboard box, those were two very pivotal moments. When you made that decision and got onto this journey of personal development, what did that journey actually look like? I mean, what what were the the milestones, the steps that you took to radically redefine who you are? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a journey that I think we'd need a couple of weeks to talk about. But uh, if if I try to simplify the the entire process, was actually um, you know it was getting out of that cardboard box was just uh, cutting the cutting the story and cutting the victim mindset, which happened in a moment. You know, I don't, I don't know if anybody can really understand what that actually feels like until you've lived it, where you have absolutely no possessions, no food, no money, no resources, no one around you. Um, it's, it's probably one of the most powerful experiences you can have. It can either keep you there and keep you, um, you know, in, in a really ugly state for the rest of your life. Or for me, it can just change entirely who you are in a moment and, and set you on a new path, right? And that's what it did. And in that moment when I changed, I literally changed and I became a different person. And, you know, I went to see some of the people that I had, you know, in my system, support system before, and they were very open to because of the change, right? Uh, so that kind of happened on its own. Seeing the world differently, I saw people differently, I understood things differently, and it started to, 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 to really shift my mindset and, and, uh, and, and change my identity. Uh, because I was latching on to really, really powerful stuff. Concretely, the personal development portion, I saw Tony Robbins' uh, TED Talk, you know, and, and his story of lack and, and you know, uh, abuse. And, um, you know, he was uneducated and then became extremely educated. And, and it was our stories kind of matched on a very, very similar line. And his words were really, really powerful, uh, of course, as one of the top personal development peoples on the planet. 
but uh, it was it was something that just sparked an interest that I had never gotten before. And as I said a little while ago, I'm a guy guy that goes zero three thousand. Uh, I went full blast into personal development. I, I studied everything Tony Robbins. I, I think I knew every piece of content that was available online in book form and, and whatever. I, I trained uh, as, a, as a coach uh, for Tony Robbins, uh, went to his events, did um, crewed at his events. It did a whole bunch of stuff. And that really started me on that personal development path. And then I opened up to a whole bunch of other people and, and different universities and and uh, I, I studied basically everything that was expanding my mind. You know, as soon as one thing, I felt there was a, a ceiling and I felt that I was becoming too comfortable. Well, then I needed something to completely shift that and challenge me again in a different way that I could not see where I was. And that has just followed me uh, along this whole path. So, you know, the personal development is, is basically self-empowerment for me. And it's not only about mindset, it's about uh, skill set. So learning all the skills that I needed to be able to basically live the life that I wanted to live on my terms instead of on someone else's terms. Uh, you know, so emotional intelligence, communication, uh, for me, health is a really, really big one. So, you know, what you put in your body is the fuel for your machine. And if you're putting crap in, you're basically, you know, you don't honor yourself and you're going to have to go to the garage quite often. Uh, also, just like the mind, garbage in, garbage out. So making sure that I stand and guard the door of my mind and I only let good things in. And then the spiritual side is, is a, a very, very big one, of course, for me. So the personal development journey became a self-empowerment journey on different axes of my life. And it, it never stops. I mean, it's, it's still there today. Very, very, uh, very, very profound. And for what I do, it's very necessary. I need to, you know, to be able to, to help people remember how powerful they are by challenging them to see what they can't see and saying what no one else dares to say. I need to be on top of my game and I need to be open to being challenged myself. So I constantly do that every day. But um, to answer your question, it was it started with myself and the support system around me because I changed who I was. I saw things differently. And then Tony Robbins was was the the instigator of this entire entire journey and it's morphed into a whole bunch of other stuff. On your path, on your journey thus far, it seems like You've asked a lot of questions and you've got a lot of questions answered, but I'm interested on the frontier of your self-empowerment journey. What questions are you focusing on now? What are the biggest questions that you really have that are still questions unresolved? Hmm. Are you talking about questions for myself or questions for life in general? all of the above. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? The, the question that I ask myself every day is, who can I help today? How can I show up in the world that I'm helping them to the highest of my ability? 
And before I, I go to bed at night is, did I show up as the highest version of myself? And you can say that that's very vast and it sounds vast, but the thing is, is that in simple questions, simple questions are extremely complex. And to be able to get to a point where you can just ask a simple question like, who can I help today? It's because there's a lot of work that has been done before. If you can honestly ask that question and honestly answer it. That is, the, that is probably the one question that I ask myself the most and that will make the biggest difference every day. Who can I help today? How can I make sure that I show up as powerfully as I can and make sure that I am authentic in what I do always. And what about your questions about life? Yeah, well, that is a, uh, that is a much larger spectrum, isn't it? The, the question that I have about life is, yeah, again, I'm catching myself because this is a big question for me. And, uh, and, and you see, there's the one thing that I really believe in is, is slow down to speed up. You know, you asked me the question, I could just jump right into answering the question, but is that really what needs to be said, right? The underlying theme now of my life is slow down to speed up. So the biggest question would be, why do we believe that we are here to suffer? Most people that you talk to think that life happens to them instead of for them. Why is this happening to me? Why am I broke? Why did I get cheated on? Why this? Why that? And we believe, a lot of people do, that we are here to suffer. You know, and even in, in, in some teachings and some, some beliefs, it's you were on earth to suffer to then be worthy to be able to enjoy life. So the biggest question I have is why do we, why did we agree to believe that we are here to suffer? And I basically dedicated my life to giving hope to the hopeless because I knew what it was to be hopeless. And I see it every day in so many, so many people. And, you know, I think we all have those moments in our days where we feel hopeless where just life is happening and we don't know what to do, where to go, and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel? That is the biggest question that I have that I will not rest until I answer and that I, I help people understand that you don't have to suffer. You're not here to suffer. You're here to be free, to enjoy life, and to experience its beauty. And, and this is coming from someone who is, you know, been to the bottom of the barrel. I've seen, you know, both sides. I've seen that dark side where you, I didn't understand why I was still here. Like what, what's, what's the point, right? You just hear to suffer. We are always a two millimeter shift from an amazing life. You know, there, there's a story of a plane that, that took off to go to the Alps and uh, they set the, the direction two millimeters off. It was really, really cloudy. When they got to the destination, 
they couldn't see because because of the clouds, they were sure they were where they needed to be to land, except they were not. They went off course for hours. And what happened was as soon as the system started to beep, it was too late. They tried to pull up and they crashed in the mountain and everybody died. It was a two millimeter error that made a difference from people having an enjoyable life, experiencing something really great to the worst thing that can happen. So we have to realize that sometimes, you know, we can see the darkest of darks, but we're only a one, two or three millimeter shift away from seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So that is, uh, that is my question, sir. That's a hell of a question, my friend. And uh, I would love to talk about that more over time and to, to revisit this conversation and see, see what develops from that. But um, Absolutely. You know, you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually interested to, to know what your question would be. What my question is? Yeah, what your, your big question about life would be. My question at this point is, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I think my question is how can we most effectively is not the right word, but, but like, how can we get in touch with who we are at our core in the most, like truly the most, like the deepest way, like how can we get the most in touch with our core possible? And what is the best way to do that? You know, like, like, for example, you've had a lot of ups and downs in your life. Do you think you had to go through those things in order to, to arrive where you are now? Or was there a, a, was there a more direct path? Like, I, that's, I don't know if that's a question that we can answer with any, with any degree of, of certainty, right? So, like, what's the optimal way to really, truly learn about ourselves and, and dig deeper into our core? And am I doing that? I'm trying. And, I, you know, I'm, I try my very best. And I'm comfortable and secure and know that my best is enough. And I don't know. I just uh, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to learn to learn more about that. And I I don't think I'll ever fully have like the answer. I don't think there is like the answer. But I think the more the closer that I can get, the more the the more in touch with myself I can get. And I just think that's a good thing. I think that's a that's a something that is a big part of my purpose in life. I like it. 
Cool. And uh, I think that can we ever get to that perfect place with a perfect answer? I don't think so, because as just like life and just like us, it evolves over time. So what we think might be the right answer today might be a completely different answer tomorrow. Oh, totally. And, and I also think it's critical that we get in the mindset of, of, of taking a long-term approach because we're going to be with ourselves for our whole lives. We are worth investing into. We are our best investment. And like, I, I, I definitely think in terms of an investor of like a long-term investor and to me, the very best investment you can make is in yourself and is in, is in people and, you know, like in, in people in general and the person who is going to have the most impact on your life is yourself. So that, that's just, that's just how I look at it. Um, but uh, Jason, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Um, I've really, uh, really enjoyed this conversation and I'm very grateful that uh, you've been willing to, to carve out some time to uh, share with me. So thank you. It's been a, a real pleasure and uh, I am grateful for you as well. I'm really, uh, I, I appreciate this conversation. And as I said, the only reason for me to have a conversation is to change the world. And that happens one conversation at a time. And I believe that uh, we've accomplished that today. Me too. Me too, my friend. So thank you very much to everybody who uh, has been watching and listening. I want to thank y'all very, very much. Uh, I love y'all very, very much. And I'm very grateful that y'all choose to share your time with us today too. So thank you very much. And I will see y'all on the next episode. Take care.